This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Politically Homeless. I'm here with you today with power into my office. I don't know if you saw this or not on my social medias, but uh, we had a, a little bit of a hiccup. The power to my office got cut. It was gone for three days. So here we are on a, on a Sunday afternoon, a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Spring is upon us, guys. There's lots to be happy about in the world, although mainstream media won't let you know that. The corporate media doesn't want you to be happy, doesn't want you to just just be and enjoy yourself, enjoy the sunshine, get some vitamin D. No. To get vitamin D, you might need less pharmaceutical interventions. And we can't have that, can we? We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about a lot today. Of course, we've got a Ukraine update. We've got some Moderna CEO stuff. That'll be quick. Hunter Biden's laptop. That's fun. Um, financial literacy in Florida, trans stuff. I'm actually going to chime in on the trans stuff, guys. It's been a while. I've done it a lot in the Patreon, but I haven't done it here too much. And um, right-wing extreme fitness. That's going to be a good one. And just extremism in general. We had, we had a, a fun show. Notice that as I run through my little, my little sheet here, my run sheet, uh, I'm not going to talk about the Supreme Court nominee. And I wanted to uh, disclose this because I think it's very important for all of you to hear this. Um, when it comes to the Supreme Court nominations that are happening now, and just in general over the past several years, four, five, six years, um, I'm exhausted of them. I'm exhausted. I hate them. They're frustrating. They're annoying. They're hyper-partisan, which is what makes me annoyed, is the hyper-partisan nature of the Supreme Court hearings. Uh, this woman, what do they call her? KGB, Katashi Brown. She's fine. These Republicans are out here acting like they're losing a seat, right? And let me remind you, the Supreme Court's not supposed to be a partisan branch of government, right? It's not supposed to be. It is now because everything is. Everything is. You can't take a shit these days without it being a partisan event. So we've got these things, and you guys are t- these people are just the, the 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 Republicans here have just reminded me of their peak obnoxiousness. Like it is, and it's it's the exact same as it was with Amy Coney Barrett and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. It it's it's a shit show. Now Brett Kavanaugh is a clown. He's a douche. He's a liar. He pretended not to know what boofing is, which is boofing. I didn't know this. It's like the old school term for what we call now keistering, which is putting booze through a beer bong into your asshole, right? You can keister molly. You can keister cocaine. You can keister anything. It's just like a suppository of drugs because there's a lot more bioavailability up your bunghole. That's what boofing is. He pretended not to know what that was because he's a liar. He just lied. Just be like, yeah, man, I used to I used to funnel beer into my asshole. That's what he is. That, there's a guy on the Supreme Court, maybe more than one, who funneled beer into his asshole and lied about it at a Supreme Court hearing. Now, why are we talking about beer going into his asshole? Because he's supposedly sexually assaulted some chick, which I believe. He seems like the kind of guy who would sexually assault someone. So, 
And then we go on and move forward to Amy Coney Barrett, who conducted herself like a professional, which I respect, but I don't really uh, uh, respect her perspectives. I'm not really a big fan of the way that she sees the world. Um, she's got a very like handmaid's talesy type club that she's in. Like it's, but it's to me, I'm like, I think religion's kind of a goofy thing. So of course I think she's kind of goofy and she has a very pro corporate stance as does Brett Kavanaugh. And here comes a woman, Katashi Brown, right? First black woman to be nominated or not nominated, but is going to be approved to the Supreme court, which Biden definitely got in the way of what would have been the first black woman, um, nominated. I forget her name, but he, he definitely got in the way of that. Was that like 98 or 2004? I don't know, whatever it was. Biden's been in the government for 11 million years. You can tell that I haven't researched this because my the, the, the depths of me not giving a fuck, no, no bounds. But we're talking about it because this is what the show is and we have to talk about things. Sometimes we have to talk about things that I don't care about. But I'm, gonna, I'm trying to elaborate on my reasons, my justifications for not giving a shit. So I have this woman, right, who will be the first black woman um, confirmed for the Supreme Court who was a public defender who dealt with some challenging cases. Um, has a pretty good track record in my, in my opinion. Um, and were, even represented the people who were in Guantanamo Bay, which took Lindsey Graham and just wound him up into a warmongering fuck stick. Like he already lives his life there, but this is like someone really pulled his string with this. Right. And let's not forget a lot of people who were in Guantanamo Bay didn't do anything, didn't do anything. And Lindsey Graham says, well, when you let them out, they're going to be in the Taliban. And it's like, well, hang on. Let's just, let's just run this back. Let's just run this back. Lindsey Graham. Um, <laughs> these people who didn't do anything, right. Just living their lives. But like, you know, someone said they were doing something nefarious, get scooped up, kidnapped, taken to Guantanamo Bay, tortured, you know, maybe somebody boofed them right? With a broomstick. Maybe they put out a cigarette on their ball sack. These are things that happen. Waterboarded, beaten, raped. These are all things that can happen in Guantanamo Bay and happen on the regular. So you didn't do anything. You're an Afghani citizen. Maybe you're a Saudi. Who knows? Now the Saudis get away with anything. That's right. I forgot. My bad. <laughs> but you're, you're doing your thing. You get taken to Guantanamo Bay, beat the shit out of, raped, harassed, tortured. And then they're like, oops, our bad. You didn't do anything. You get let out. Well, your family didn't know where you were. You don't have a job anymore. Your whole life's turned upside down. You don't have a place to live. And, uh, you're justifiably pissed off as I would be. So where are you going to find a safe home? Perhaps with the Taliban. Cause right now in your state of mind, after being released from Guantanamo Bay, you align a lot with what the Taliban has to say. Makes sense, doesn't it? So we're putting the chicken before the egg, Lindsey Graham. So he's losing his shit about that. Um, and then we have this whole thing with like CP, right? People looking at kids on the internet. And the sentencing that was doled out for those. And Josh Hawley used this time to jump on his soapbox and have his opinions, which was interesting. Um, and at first I was like, what is this about? And then I go look at it and I'm like, well... This is about clickers, not touchers. There's a difference when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I'm using my language carefully because we're on a public platform here. But there's clickers and there's touchers. Okay. Now, anybody exploiting children in that way, trafficking kids, whatever it is, 
I have no sympathy for them. But that being said, if someone, and this is a really challenging topic, right? This is a really challenging topic to broach. Because just like one day in my prepubescent life, I woke up and I was like, man, titties are great. That was my reality. I just turned out to be a cis white straight dude. Weird, right? And for some people, usually victims of abuse, they develop into somehow having some kind of attraction towards children. And that's sad. It's sad. It's almost always the result of some kind of trauma in their life. So I think there's a place to be empathetic for people that have an attraction to children that are trying to do something about it. Now, if you're looking at things online, yes, those children are being exploited. It's disgusting. It's gross. It's terrible. I wish it did not exist. But it's not on the scale of actually doing the act. And I think three months in prison, and let's be real here, guys. And I have a little bit of insight on this because my dad was in prison for drugs. Nonviolent criminal in prison for six years or so. And we've talked about this. And that's where I got the term clickers and touchers. That's what they call them in the joint. They're treated differently. Touchers are treated much worse than clickers are. But they're both all, they're all ostracized. And it's very likely that if that's one of your, what you're in there for, you might not be coming out. You might not be coming out. And if you're in for three months, I can almost guarantee you, you probably had a, a, an experience very similar to Ed Norton in, um, in American History X in the shower, if you know what I'm saying. So when you put that in perspective, it's much different. And then knowing that this person will probably not be able to use a computer normally, like we all do with freedom, for a decade or so. And they're constantly being checked in and monitored. Checked in with and monitored. So we have to look at everything with nuance, even if it's something that makes you viscerally uncomfortable. It's really important to do. And it's really hard to do. When something, that, that's what clickbait is. That's what being triggered is. Like in the real sense of like, oh, it makes me so upset. It's like, hang on. That's when you need to take a breath the most and look at this. Like, okay, where are we at? What are we doing? And it's really interesting. It's a really, it's, it's sad and it's terrible. I mean, just looking at the darkness of humanity is not a fun thing to do. You know, it's not a fun thing to do at all. And it seems like it just gets brought to the fore all the time. So I'm just exhausted with the Supreme Court shit. It's hyper-partisan. Everybody, they're calling this woman radical left. She's not. She's not. And they're acting like they're losing a seat to a, to a, to a radical leftist, communist, socialist, whatever the fuck they want, whatever words they want to throw out on Fox News that have completely lost their meaning at this point. It's just, what is, is it even worth talking about? She's a reasonable sub for Breyer. They just, Take one out, put one in. You know, maybe she will actually have some pro-worker decisions, which I would like to see, because you know Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh aren't going to have any pro-worker decisions. It's all going to go pro-corporate, always. And that's all they've ever done. That's their track record. That was my frustration with them. It wasn't about boofing or Jesus. It was about their record, their policy, which is the reason I didn't love Trump. It wasn't because of mean tweets. I know you love to say, people love to say that straw man. You, it's because of mean tweets. You didn't like mean tweets. Well, the tweets were annoying. 
And the response to the tweets was equally annoying, right? The way MSNBC treated the tweets was as annoying, if not more annoying, than the tweets themselves. It was like I was uh, um, a kindergarten teacher dealing with bickering within a classroom amongst five- and six-year-olds. That's what it felt like. But I was adult. It was adults that are making tens of millions of dollars a year. That, that, that's, the, that's the scary part of it all. So I wanted to cover that and kind of give a little bit of a rationalization there. I also have this theory um, that just kind of came to me today. Because I saw something on Instagram about like, it's so funny that Biden hasn't even said the words legal marijuana since he's become president, right? Talked about it on the campaign trail, but we all know that's bullshit. And he hasn't said it, but it's like, well, it was there, right? It was, it was a part of the conversation. Now, this is the guy who was an architect of the 1994 crime bill, has been responsible for a lot of uh, black men in particular being behind bars for nonviolent victimless crimes. So you can't really expect that much of him, but I have a theory. I think what's going to happen is after this red wave in the upcoming uh, congressional elections, after this red wave, then, and only then, will Pelosi and Biden and Harris and the whole crowd start tooting the uh, legal marijuana horn. Right, That will become a big part of it because it will make the conservatives seem dated and out of step with the American public, which they are, as are the Democrats, the neo-libs. So I think what they're going to do is wait for that red wave and then lean heavy into it, knowing, and this is one thing that Democrats are exceptional at, only speaking up about something when they know that it will not get done. They only want to speak up about something when they know that it's impossible for it to get done. Now, what the conservatives could do is call their bluff and draft a legal federal uh, legalization federally, draft a bill that legalizes marijuana on a federal level. And that would be interesting. But that's my theory. We'll see if it plays out here in a few months as we get into the fall. Well, guys, I'm glad you're here. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm glad we got our power back. You got to take the power back sometimes. You know what I mean? If you haven't already, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash politically homeless. Bonus episode every week. And if something happens like the power going out, <laughs> or some unforeseen natural disaster, which we've also dealt with, um, you're still going to get a show. No matter what. Because you're paying me for it. And I respect that. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. Check it out. Let's get to the show, baby. All right, we've got our obligatory Ukraine update here. Take a swig of this delicious element real quick. So, Ukraine. Ukraine. Interesting times. Interesting times to be alive. To see this all playing out and, and the, the hyper-partisanship and the virtue signaling kind of just continue. It's like a seamless move from Trump is an authoritarian dictator, Biden-Harris, COVID, wear your mask, Ukraine. It's like one smooth continue. I mean, it's actually kind of impressive how smooth it's been from one crisis to a, to the next, you know? 
And all that, we can look at these, the libs, right? We can own the libs all day because they're so silly. They're so ridiculous. The virtue signaling and the, the trans this and the whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, like radical left. Sometimes it's often so, we get so caught up in that that we forget how much of a moron Donald Trump actually is because he's been banned from Twitter and you don't get to see his, his moronic sense projected onto the entire world. Now, I know a few of you out there, and I feel you, right? They're like, Dude, you're so full of shit. You're a fucking chill for Biden. Uh, I'm not, actually. But I know you're thinking that, and that's okay. I, feel, I understand you. I see where you're coming from. I know when, you're, when your guy gets criticized, it's hard. It's hard to take. But it's important to understand that Trump is an orange moron. Okay, you can vote for him and because you're a conservative and you'd like some of the things that he did and like what he stood for and lower taxes and gas prices and all this. Yeah, I get it. He's an idiot. Okay. Now, I'm going to bring you a few examples when it comes to Ukraine that I've been collecting here to articulate just how stupid Donald Trump actually is and how bad of a choice he is because going into 2024, he may be the president again. He may be. That's a reality. So just keep this in mind. Trump, the U.S. should put Chinese flags on F-22 jets and bomb the shit out of Russia. Should put Chinese flags on F-22 jets and bomb the shit out of Russia. Now, him and John Hannity both had this opinion. And this was when the, the, the long convoy that was having trouble, the Russian convoy was all lined up and kind of like ripe for something like this. I don't think this would have worked in World War One or World War Two, and it sure as fuck wouldn't work in that. Are you are you crazy? Do you think Putin's not going to get on the phone with Xi and be like, "Yo, dog, are you bombing us?" And he'll be like, "Uh, nah, bro. That's it." He's like, "Well, it was clearly the Americans then." It's like, "Oh yeah, we have some aerial footage. It was white dudes." What the fuck is this? You want to paint? What are you going to do, paint the whole bottom like a Chinese flag? And think like, oh, they're like, oh, yeah, it must be China. And they're just going to start sending nukes back and forth? What kind of moronic statements was it? He rambled on at a fundraiser about this. This is actually confirmed. I wouldn't put this out there if this wasn't true. This is fucking true. This is, these are words that this old orange weirdo said out of his stupid face. His idiocy knows no bounds. None. And he's also operating on really shitty information. <laughs> but like, we should put Chinese flags on F-22 jets and bomb the shit out of Russia. Beautiful, beautiful. Now let's go on. He was on Fox Business here. And let's listen to some other ways uh, that Trump was going to uh, try and get us into World War Three. Been anything like this? So what do you do now? If you, 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 you said you'd maybe do more than just send in the MiG jets, all right? What well, more? what I would do is I would do, uh, we would do, we have tremendous military capability. And what we can do without planes, to be honest with you, without 44-year-old jets, what we can do is enormous. And we should be doing it. And we should be helping them to survive. And they're doing an amazing job. But, you know, I was the one that sent in the javelins. I mean, everyone refuses to acknowledge that. And I took a lot of heat. And uh, I sent it in very openly and glowingly. And they said uh, Obama sent blankets and Trump sent javelins. Well, 
nobody knew how well those javelins would do and how well they But those javelins that knocked out all the tanks, those were sent by me. And we sent them in large numbers, too. I didn't even realize. Which is a, a problem to me because I'm like, maybe, maybe it wasn't a good idea to arm Ukraine as if they were a member of NATO because they're not. That is further stoked the flames, right? Obama knew this. He's like criticizing Obama for not giving Ukraine a bunch of weapons uh, where, that would be used, again, by the way, would be used against separatists in the Donbass region, right? That's where these weapons were used for, right? And maybe there was a, a Nazi or two among the group that was got a hold of these things. Um, so we got that situation, right? So it's like a bragging about something that actually escalated and led to this conflict, which is moronic. At the time when I sent them, I said, man, you know, that's a lot of stuff we're sending, but let's do it. Let them have well, a chance. I had, who would have thought that they would have been so powerful the way they protected that country? But they need other kinds of help. And one thing I do rapidly is that get the oil flowing, because if you reduce the price of oil significantly, that war is going to end. That war is going to end. Well, you know the expression, what you need for war is three things, money, money, and money. And if you bring down the price of oil and you could knock the hell out of the price, I had it down to $1.71 at one point. To ga- In fact, it was so low that I was afraid we were going to lose our oil company. We've got to get that oil rambling. down. And if you get the oil down, that war is going to end. But let me press you again on what extra military help you would give to the Ukrainians. You say you want to do more than just the MiG jets or the javelins. Yeah. What, what more? Well, I think the drones are just as effective as anything nowadays. I mean, they make drones today. We make, we have drones that are just as effective as just about anything in the air, anything you can do in the air. And you can do drones, plus they give back tremendous amounts of information. And the information leads missiles right to whatever the hell target they are. And you don't have to shoot them from Ukraine. So therefore, you're being neutral. It's so ridiculous. Look. Okay, hang on. (laughs) So you can't understand that because what he said is a jumbled mess of nonsense. But he's saying we can use drones to gain information, right? So drones over Russian airspace to gain information to have missiles hit wherever we want. And they don't have to be shot from Ukraine so we can remain neutral. So who's going to be shooting those missiles? NATO allies? Us? And that's a way to remain neutral? Someone, if you're mad that I'm like calling Trump a fucking douchebag idiot, because he is, right? And I, and I don't say this enough because there's so many uh, Democrats to rip on and it takes a lot of my time and energy to do that. And this guy to me is irrelevant. And I wish he would just go away. Right, I'm ready for him and Biden and Pelosi and Rudy Giuliani and Dick Cheney. I'm ready for all of them to die. I wish they would all die at one day, at one time, and we could celebrate that celebrate that day as a day of liberation for the rest of us because they're all douchebags. Pro-war, war hawk, CIA fucking puppets, right? Masquerading as leaders. I have nothing but disdain for all of them. And when you say stupid shit like this, right? As someone that for some reason has the, the the adoration of a large portion of this country, I don't know how you expect to be respected by anyone else. This makes absolutely 
no sense. And moving on here, Zelensky nationalizes TV and restricts opposition parties. On Saturday and Sunday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky invoked his emergency powers under martial law to suppress several opposition political parties and implement a, an information a unified information policy. A unified information policy. That's a little bit of a uh, authoritarian move for someone who runs a liberal democracy. Hmm? And we'll wrap up our Ukraine update here with the only take that you really need. Let's get into it. Well, it's always like this, this binary between people who care about the environment or people who don't. No, it's how much can you personally sacrifice at any given time for anything? You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and batteries are not like this. Like the Ukraine. Everybody goes, we're going to do a, a, a no-fly zone. I go, no, no, no. Are you mentally ill? Do you know what a no-fly zone is? A NATO no-fly zone? That'll bring us into direct conflict with Russia. A nuclear power because we would have to enforce the no-fly zone well how do we enforce it shooting down russian aircraft yeah. well what do you think happens right we're, and by the way i think these sanctions are crazy too because we're, we're making a guy desperate you don't want your enemy broke Put him in a corner. We're, we're putting him in a corner we're putting putin in a place where he's gonna go all right so we ain't got nothing the economy's uh, exploded so guess what Let's really hit the Ukraine. I have to say, I, I kind mean, of agree with Hillary on this. What did, what did she say? Hillary just was sending out this sort of, this message when she was talking on one of those Sunday shows, Meet the Press or whatever. Yeah. She was like, I'm hoping the people around him, I'm hoping the people around him but see that's how dangerous stupid, what he's but doing. But it's stupid too. I deal with that's a guy stupid. like this. You and ignore it! Turn off the TV! <laughs> no one cared about the fucking Ukraine. Yeah. They only care because they're white. That is a fact. <laughs> yeah. That's literally the truth. And I know you may disagree with that, but did you give a shit about Yemen? Did you care about the brown kids no. in Yemen? You don't. No. You care about them because you could imagine them coming to dinner at your house. <laughs> That's really why you care. You ignore it. Turn the fucking TV off. Yeah. That's how you deal but with there's it. There's a little there's this one. Turn it off. This one has a little bit more nuclear war implications than Yemen. Yeah, if we keep fucking with him, yeah. stop fucking with him. Yeah. And let him do what he wants. But do you Sorry. God sucks. You don't think he's going to keep going, though, and keep going? And let him. Let him go. What do you do? Yeah. What? Who? Are you going to go to nuclear war for Estonia? No. You going to go to nuclear war for Latvia? No. Who? who what of those countries do you want to see your family incinerated for? I let just, me know. I just can't even believe. He ain't coming here. I, he ain't coming to Vermont. No. I can't believe. If, if another power did what we did to him. Yeah. which was create an alliance. If Putin created an alliance with Mexico and put missiles in Mexico, we would flip the fuck out. Yeah. So the reality is, yes, he shouldn't keep going. He's a psychopath. Mm -hmm. He's a madman. The people that are cheering him on are insane. The people that think he's some force for good in the world are insane. But real politic, be rational. Here's the reality. I want a summer. <laughs> and we're gonna. We need cheap gas. So does Joe. Joe Behar needs a sub. Like we need a sub. That's what we need. So let's cut the shit. Let's stop pretending that we give a fuck. We don't. Joe, stop pretending. Yeah. So what we're seeing here in real time is a loudmouth comedian, Tim Dillon, the Tim Dillon, having a more coherent and reasonable take on the Ukraine Russia crisis than the former president or sitting president 
of the United fucking States. That, my friends, is our reality. So I saw a fun post the other day on social media that said, Moderna CEO dumps $400 million in stocks and deletes his Twitter account. So I thought, I'll check into this. And then I saw a USA Today fact check and was like, oh my gosh, this will be hilarious. So it says, fact check, posts mislead on Moderna CEO, Twitter account, and stock sales. The claim, Moderna CEO deleted his Twitter account and dumped $400 million in stock. As clinical trials on Omicron-specific booster shots continue, online users are using Moderna CEO Stefan Bonsal's deleted Twitter account and recent stock sales to suggest something nefarious is afoot. And he goes on to share some things about how Big Pharma seems to know that some bad news is coming from uh, February of this year. So we go down. And it says, okay, he did delete his Twitter account, but he wasn't active on Twitter, so that's not that big a deal. And it says, Bansel didn't didn't dump $400 million in stock, which I, I do agree, a little bit of hyperbolic, but also there is something else here that we need to look at. So we scroll down here, and they just bury the lead in the very end of this. It says, Bansel's sales were part of a trading plan from December 2018 that was amended in September 2019 and May of 2020. As noted by Quartz, Bansel has sold shares of Moderna stock since 2019 prior to the coronavirus pandemic and the development of the company's COVID-19 vaccines. No changes were made to his plans prior to the February sales. Well, you just kind of contradicted yourself there. But if we go on and we look at the Moderna stock, so let's go to 2019. We're at around $17 a share. Now, if we move into 2020, we're at about $20 a share on average. If we move into uh, July of 2020, we're at $94 a share, so we're moving on up. 2021, $156 a share. Not bad, not bad, moving up. And if we get into, oh, what is this, about August of 2021, we're looking at $449 a share at its peak. And we move on to go from here. So we're looking at a 20x increase from the beginning of the pandemic to August of 2021, which is an interesting thing to look at. So if we think about that, 20X, and over this time, it was $405 million sold from 2019 to February of 2022. So with all that being said, right, if we just do some simple math here and just do it in your head, just think about it. During this period between April of 2021 and Oh, uh, what is that? October of 2021, you're looking at stock prices between 200 and up to 400 and then down to about $300 a share. That's going to account for the vast majority of that $405 million. So while the post that says he dumped $400 million in stock is misleading, the fact check of that post is, and we'll use their, their, uh, their language here, Missing context. So I thought I would share that with you because I thought it was quite funny. Well, springtime is upon us. And as the Biden administration let us know last year, um, we were about to be entering a winter of severe illness and death and suffering for all unvaccinated people. Wasn't really the case for me. Maybe it was for some. Didn't really seem that way, though. It seemed like that was a bunch of bullshit. And now if we continue... To look at what's going on here, CDC says it accidentally inflated children's COVID death numbers in a coding logic error. So just like the winner of severe illness and death, this narrative is also 
crumbling, crumbling into small little pieces. And it's kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. Here's uh, Dr. Walensky in uh, two masks because, you know, science. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention revisited its data this week to reduce pediatric deaths from COVID-19 by nearly 24%. On Tuesday, the agency was reported... Uh, reporting on its COVID data tracker that 1,755 Americans under the age of 18 had died from the virus since the pandemic began in the spring of 2020. Now it's reporting 1,341 deaths in that category. Okay, seems like a marginal change, but you also have to keep in mind that like kids have been wearing masks in school for like two fucking years in a lot of the part of the world, so let's just keep that in mind. And, and on top of that, it removed about 70 thousand deaths from the total so seventy thousand deaths from the total the cdc said that the number was revised march 15th due to a coding logic error according to a footnote on the agency's covid data tracker pediatric death death counts were not the only ones to be lowered total deaths were reduced by roughly seventy thousand seventy thousand i mean (laughs) that's substantial guys that is substantial now what we'll never see right what we'll never see about this and it's funny to talk about COVID because i'm like man these videos on instagram probably won't do that well because people don't really give a shit about this anymore which should tell you everything you need to know right i'm curious of those seventy thousand, right how many of them were found to have died with covid not from covid how many of those people were obese does that change the number of obese and people, obese people and people with extensive comorbidities, does that even make it higher than 80%? Because it was 80%, right? So when you're doing the uh, the risk determination for yourself, if you're not obese, you can just subtract the number of deaths in your age bracket by 80 fucking percent, as long as you're under like 60 years old, right? So you could do that. I wonder where this 70,000 came from. What was the demographic data of the 70,000 that were wrong? Because does that bump the obese and comorbidity group into 90% of the deaths? Because that would make everything we did over the last two years make less sense than it already does. And it already doesn't make any goddamn sense at all after the first fucking two weeks. And will there be any accountability here? And we talk about accountability a lot in this show. Do you think there's going to be accountability for this? Absolutely fucking not. This talking head broad right here is going to be on MSNBC saying, well, as winter comes on, we might see a new variant that's not going to fucking do anything because it's a goddamn cold at this point. We all got led around like a bunch of assholes, and here we are. And we moved a bunch of money upward and moved a bunch of our uh, authority over our own lives upward while the working class got absolutely hosed, and it was done by people who claimed to give a shit about marginalized populations. We've said it a million times, and I'll say it again right here. The hypocrisy knows no bounds. So you guys remember, like, uh, right around, like, the, the, the 2020 election, there was this whole, like, Biden laptop thing and Hunter Biden and his laptop and this place in Delaware. And he was on crack and he didn't know where it was his and blah, 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 blah. All that stuff. And people were like, it's Russian disinformation. But everybody else that, like, isn't a complete shill was like, this looks pretty real. And no one really ever asked him if, like, it was real or if the information that was on the laptop was accurate. They just asked if the laptop was his. If you remember putting it there, he didn't know. He was on crack. So, I don't know. I was on crack. I don't know. I mean, Burisma, the Ukrainian energy company, was just, like, paying me $50,000 a month and, like, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I was on crack, right? Like anybody, anytime somebody asks me a question now that like I have to be, you know, accountable for, I'm just gonna be like, well, I don't know, I was on a lot of crack, so like, no punishment for me. I'm gonna make art now and sell it for half a million dollars uh, in a anonymous, um, <laughs> anonymous gallery. So that's where we were at, right? Remember that whole shenanigan? Well, the New York Times just confirmed that the Biden laptop is actually uh Authentic. And I'm glad I actually waited to do this show because Matt Taibbi put this beautiful article out. So there's two people that I think you should go read on this. Uh, one, Matt Taibbi, this article is great. We're going to read a little bit of it, but it is behind a paywall. So I'm going to respect that and not go too deep into it. I recommend you go check this out. And Glenn Greenwald's article on the same topic because this is the reason that Glenn Greenwald left the Intercept, the outlet that he founded in order to release the Snowden documents. Right, So they were founded on the principle of real reporting, of real journalism, and since they've completely parted ways with that, and in doing so, Glenn Greenwald being the principled actor that he is, peace the fuck out, went to Substack, and now I think he's making way more money, which I really think is awesome. Okay. The media campaign to protect Joe Biden passes the point of, of absurdity. And we're going to play this uh, video here by Matt Orfelia. I think you guys should check him out on YouTube as well. So I'm just pitching everybody here, giving them all kinds of props. A development in the infamous laptop story further, further proves the Russian disinformation tale was itself disinformation. Shamed a herd of craven media stenographers. Burying the lead just a bit, the New York Times on March 16th published a long-spirited piece about the federal tax investigation of Hunter Biden. This is the 24th paragraph. People familiar with the investigation said prosecutors had examined emails between Mr. Biden, Mr. Archer, and others about Burisma and other foreign business activity. Those emails were obtained by the New York Times from a cache of files that appear to have come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a, in a Delaware repair shop. The emails and others in the cache were authenticated by people familiar with them and, and with the investigation. 24 paragraphs deep, and that's where you bury it, huh? That is where you bury it. In confirming that federal prosecutors are treating are treating as authenticated the Biden emails, the Times story applies the final dollop of clown makeup to Wolf Blitzer, Leslie Stahl, Christine Eno Emapore, uh, Brian Stelter, and countless other hapless media stooges, uh, many starring in Matt Orfelia's damning montage above. We're going to play that in just a minute for you. <sighs> All cooperated with intelligence officials to dismiss a damaging story about Biden's abandoned laptop and his dealings with the corrupt Ukrainian energy company Burisma as Russian disinformation. They tossed in terms uh, thought up for them by spooks as if they were their own thoughts, using words like obviously and classic and textbook to describe the playbook of Russian disinformation and what itself was still a wildly successful disinformation campaign, one begun well before the much derided and initially censored New York Post expose on the topic from October 2020. Not to be petty, but well, yes, let's be petty just a little bit and point out that many of the people who were the most pompous about this story turned out to be the most wrong, including the conga line of intercept editors and staffers who essentially knocked Glenn Greenwald all the way over to Substack over the issue. There are more important things going on in the world, but for sheer bootlicking confirmist excess and depraved journalists on journalist venom, the Russian disinformation fiasco has no equal. 
and probably needs recording for posterity because it's memory hold via some creepy homage to severance or a next-gen algorithmic witch hunt which or whichever other federally contracted monstrosities are being readied for deployment somewhere far up the anus of Silicon Valley. <laughs> that was a hard one to get through. But Matt, uh, Taibi, I love the way you write. So let's check in uh, on Orf's video here. You guys are going to love this. Let's check it out. Incriminating evidence allegedly found on a laptop belonging to Biden. Some sort of Russian disinformation campaign effort. One eternity later. Biden emails finally authenticated according to the New York Times. Yeah, it's, it's rewind, rewind time. It's a lie. Altered or fake. Unverified emails. The story did not quite land due to the lack of verification. Let's be verified. What can't be verified? The laptop. Why do you say that? Well, because it can't be verified. I don't even want to report no, this. Well, this is the one of the well, most powerful well, families Liz, in Washington. Liz, I'm a journalist. Okay, I would love if you guys would start doing that verification. No, we're not going to do your work for you. It's yeah, a journalist Contrary. Not anymore. For all we know, these emails are made up. Not really stories, just pure distractions. No serious journalist should fall for it. It's a journalist's Contrary job to, to, to find out if this is verified. The bottom line is we cannot confirm the story. Experts say the emails cannot be authenticated. The mainstream media is not reporting on this story because we can't authenticate this material. Um, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop material is genuine. Genuine. <laughs> this is a classic example of the right-wing media machine. It just lacks credibility. The fact that it appeared in the New York Post. The only place low enough to put this orphan bastard story in print. Obvious disinformation. It is so obviously a Russian operation. So obviously disinformation. So obviously a Russian plot. Tell me why it's so obviously a Russian plot to you. This is uh, just classic textbook Soviet Russian. Russian work. Right, exactly. And this is classic, very classic uh, Russian disinformation tactic. Your classic disinformation campaign. We shouldn't look at it as anything other than a Russian disinformation operation. Operation. Known Kremlin disinformation. Russians would be my number one guess. Obviously, Russia. Russian disinformation operation. Russian disinformation. Pushing Russian disinformation. It does bear the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo. Hunter Biden's laptop looks like it's tied to Vladimir Putin in Moscow. Is that laptop yours? I don't know. I, I truly... The, you don't know. The serious answer is that I truly do not know the answer to that. Did you leave a, a laptop with a repairman not in Wilmington? Not, not that you remember. remember. No. No. I truly don't know. Are you missing a laptop? Not that I know of. What? This whole operation looks right out of the Kremlin playbook. The playbook of Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation put into the haystack. Russian disinfo. Sounds like bullshit. I mean, who takes a laptop with their most personal information, drops it off, and never comes back for it? <laughs> read the book and you'll realize that I wasn't keeping uh, tabs on possessions very well for about a four-year period of time. A Russian disinformation campaign. Disinformation from the Russians. Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. The Biden campaign says this is Russian disinformation. There's overwhelming evidence that the Russians are engaged. Russians are engaged. It's a Russian plan. Russian uh, disinformation. Nobody Russian believes it except of his and his good friend Rudy Gianni. So could have been yours. Of course, certainly. Oh, that's hot. That's hot. History will expose you all as fools and useful idiots for the Russians. <laughs> the idiocy. The sheer idiocy. <laughs> 
50 former intelligence officials signed on to a letter yesterday saying that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden's emails has all of the classic earmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Russia, Giuliani. Don't trust anything that he's telling you. This is Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation. Russian disinformation campaign. Russian disinformation meant to harm our democracy. Disinformation by the Russians. The fruits of a foreign intelligence operation. Part of that bigger Russian disinformation effort. A Russian intelligence operation. Connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Linked to a foreign intelligence operation. Connected to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Tied to an ongoing Russian disinformation effort. Connected to a Russian disinformation campaign. Linked to a foreign intelligence operation. Likely coming from Russian, right, Russian intelligence. Two people familiar with the matter told NBC News. We now know that Russian disinformation or foreign disinformation or even this, you know, campaign disinformation period is as dangerous to our democracy as anything exposed in these emails. So there it is, guys. And I know it's, it's a longer video. It's four and a half minutes long, but that's like just a taste of what the media narrative was here. Now, I do want to say with the post article that came out. I thought they leaned too heavy into the dude's addiction issues, which is something that I actually feel a lot of compassion for. And it's something that I've, I've uh, seen in my own life with people that I deeply care about. And I wasn't really interested in, in, in his crack use or his sex habits or whatever the fuck was going on there. What I'm really concerned about is the level of corruption with the, with Burisma, with Biden, with, with Hunter. Like I want to see what's going on there. And I think if they would have leaned into that, as opposed to the dude's personality to get more clicks, um, they would have been better off and it probably would have had a little bit more credibility but that being said even though i didn't like the way the article was written i think that it should have always had the ability to circulate freely and not been shut down on twitter and now like uh what joe scarborough said um did history prove us to be idiots useful idiots for the russian disinformation machine I think not. I think what it showed is that people like Joe Scarborough and Nicole Wallace and Brian Stelter are useful idiots of the CIA and American intelligence industry. It's really a beautiful thing. It's really a beautiful. I mean, they are, they've got it. They've got it dialed in, got it dialed in. (sighs) Interesting stuff guys, but Hunter Biden's laptop is real. We'll see where it goes from here. Of course we have this big distraction going on a little bit east of here, but, um, God damn the, the, the point of absurdity. That's very well said, Taibi. And that's let's let's move on from there. I can't even I can't even make words when it comes to this anymore. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs. Guys, this is the best company that's probably ever existed. I'm gonna be real with you. I just drank an element during this show. It kept my whistle wet and kept me hydrated on the inside and the outside from my skin to my belly, baby. I take it serious. I live at altitude. It's getting warm right now. And I know hydration is absolutely important. I also like to use my body. If you're sweating, if you're, if you're out there working, if you're putting the work in to be fit, I respect that. And I love you for it. And you probably need some element. If you're eating low carb, if you're eating keto, if you're doing paleo, like this is going to be great for you. It is built by the one and only Rob Wolf. Gotta love what he's about. Now, what you have here is the Element Recharge Sample Pack. All you have to do to get this pack is go to drink element, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. And you got to cover shipping, five bucks. But you get an eight pack, raspberry, watermelon, two of my favorites. If you're into chocolate and you want something warm and salty, 
that chocolate salt, baby. It is so good. And of course, they have the unflavored option as well if you want to raw dog your electrolytes. It is no joke, guys. Getting hydrated is super important, and most people aren't. Two things that I recommend to people besides just moving is hydration and vitamin D. So many of us are dehydrated, and so, much, so many of us are deficient in vitamin D, but that's a different story, and they don't have any vitamin D in these, but what they do have is things like magnesium and sodium, which are super, super essential. It's delicious, just the taste of it, and of course, there's no sugar in this at all, but the taste will have you drinking more water, I guarantee you. That so go to drinkelement.com, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash wanders to get your variety pack for just five dollars. We are also brought to you by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. Now that you're hydrated, right? You got your element, you're hydrated, you're doing your thing. One other thing you can do that will profoundly change your life is get really, really good sleep. Now, Cured Nutrition has a lot of a lot of supplements that I really dig, and they do a great job with sourcing. I mean, I've been around a lot of nutri- uh, nutrition and supplement companies, and sometimes their sourcing is a little bit sketch, even though they pretend it is not. I know the owners of this company. I know the founders of this company. They're fantastic, and they are living with a shit ton of integrity, and that's why they're here, and that's why I'm telling you about how great their products are, because they are. Nightcaps by Cured are bomb, guys. 30 milligrams of CBD and 30 or 5 milligrams of CBN. That combination is super, super potent, guys. I took two of these the first time because I usually take two of most of their things and just kind of was on autopilot. My sleep was barely different than a coma, but I woke up feeling awesome. And that's the thing. If I take melatonin or anything like that, I always have a little bit of lag in the morning and I'm just kind of dragging ass. But with these nightcaps, I actually wake up feeling refreshed and moving on to 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 the day. And when combined with Rise and Zen, dude, you're talking about some good two, one, two, three punch right there. So what Cure does, and I really appreciate this, and this is something you need to know, is that they do keep a little bit of THC in these supplements. So about 1.5 milligrams per serving, which is one, which is really, if you are a cannabis user, isn't going to really be something that you're going to notice. But if you're not, you might. But that actually is really important to helping all these things work together. To completely strip out the THC completely doesn't really do the CBD and CBN justice. So it's an essential part of the component of the of the of the supplement and it actually has a really profound effect on you getting incredible sleep. So all you have to do to get that 10% discount and Free shipping is go to curednutrition.com and use the promo code HOMELESS. The easiest and best way to do that is to use the link in the show notes. Click that, curednutrition.com, or uh, promo code HOMELESS, and uh, you'll get your nightcaps. I, guys, these things are stupid good, and I'm not bullshitting you here. Like I, people, uh, people offer to sponsor this show that are slinging bullshit products. Not about it. This stuff is an absolute game changer especially if you're still lagging from the time change like i am like that shit fucked me up this has helped me so so much so get those raw cbn night nighttime capsules <sighs> you're gonna love it you're gonna love it guys cured and element incredible companies incredible brands fantastic products check it out both the links are in the show notes and you can again get this one at curednutrition.com promo code homeless 10 percent off and free shipping now let's get back to the show so over the past few years, the word privilege has been thrown around quite a bit. And of course, that gets me thinking because when something becomes a meme or a cultural kind of staple, I like to think about it. I like to ponder. I like to let myself 
wander through the ethereal and figure out what does that actually mean? Why is that becoming a thing? Is it even true? And I kind of came to the conclusion that there's really two major, major points of privilege when it comes to being a functioning adult and a successful person and all these kind of things. Number one, the number one privilege that anybody can have is being attractive. Doesn't matter what race you are. It's not a, that's not that's not a really consideration here. Being ridiculously good looking is the number one privilege you could ever attain. Now, you can't really fix ugly, but you can fix stupid. And that's why I think the number 2 point of privilege that anybody can have, that any single person can have is financial literacy. And many of us didn't get that from our parents, right? The people that raised me grew up poor as shit. They didn't really have a lot of financial literacy themselves, even though they had money. They earned it by working their asses off and didn't really spend it responsibly or well. And I know a lot of people who have that same story. And a lot of people have the story that their parents did know how to work with money, did know how to save money, invest money, make responsible decisions with their money. They didn't spend it at a casino like my grandparents did, right? It's crazy to think about, but it's a reality. And I had a good friend of mine. His name's Jesse, one of my dear friends, first guy I lived with out of college. Our families both had a very similar like net worth, but his family was very financially literate. My family was not. And you could see how that manifests itself in our circumstances. He owned a house at 23. I didn't, <laughs> right? And that house, I think, doubled in value in Austin, which is great. And I'm super proud of him, super happy for him. But we've got to keep those things in mind, right? So financial literacy, you can't really do all that much about how you look, right? You're kind of like, you're playing the lottery there, um, the bone structure lottery, but you can do something about how you work with money and how you spend money, how you save money and what you could do and how the money system works because it's all this one big corrupt game. And Florida is actually doing something about it. Florida to require a high school financial literacy class to graduate. Now this is taking place in, uh, this will be implemented in the 2023, 2024 school year. All the kids that are in high school or well, I think sophomores and, uh, and older will be able to graduate without this class. But I do hope they make it an elective for the upcoming school year. Um, and I highly recommend anybody who's in I don't know if any high school kids listening to this, but take this fucking class. Like, take these classes. These are super important just to understand the basics of how things work. If you want to start a business, if you want to trade crypto, if you want to sell ETFs, all of this stuff, or not ETFs, NFTs, <laughs> all these things require financial literacy and one of the best investments you can have in your own life. Now, I think Utah already does this, but Florida is the most populous state that is doing it now. And I hope this becomes a trend that spreads like wildfire all over the country because this is what we need. Now, something else I've said that I really believe to be true is that the American economy is really propped up by fat and stupid people. Okay. So we got to think about the game of incentives. It's always a game of incentives. So is there really an incentive on the national scale to implement financial literacy? Would that actually be good for our corporate overlords? Would that actually be good for our oligarchs? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it'd be good for the banks that make billions and billions and billions of dollars on overdraft fees and interest. I don't think it'd be good for them for you to be a uh, you know financially literate person. They want you to learn the hard way, which makes them money. It makes them money. And the fact that it's Ron DeSantis in Florida, a conservative, 
right? Some may say a neoconservative is the person putting this out there. It's not a very, I mean, you would think, right? Like this would be something that liberals would want to do. Give you financial literacy so you can fight against the power structures that exist within our current system. But it's Ron DeSantis. Funny how that works. Positioning himself very well for the 2024 election. Now all he has to do is tell Trump to suck a bag of dicks and legalize marijuana. Boom, you're the president. It's that easy, dog. It is that easy. You got a good track record right here. You got a good track record with COVID. You're doing some good stuff in the school here. The don't say gay bill thing was a little bit weird because you're trying to ask teachers to like out their parent or out their out their kids to their parents. Uh, that's weird. Um, but that got nixed anyways because that's wildly inappropriate. Uh, but with something like this, now we're doing something productive because one of my biggest criticisms of conservatives is they don't actually stand for anything; they just stand against things. This is something a conservative is doing, not fighting against. Being anti-shit doesn't mean anything. What are you for? What are you for? And right now, DeSantis is differentiating himself. And I love to see it. And I know you guys too. Do too. This is good stuff. What we'll be covering on this topic going down the road is what people like Vosh and Hassan Piker have to say <laughs> about this and somehow make it like transphobic. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. But uh, we'll cover that on the next show. So something you guys have noticed that I don't really weigh in on too much is the uh, trans athlete situation, right? Leah Thomas beating the absolute dog shit out of these girls in, uh, in swimming after being ranked 460-something in, in, in men's swimming just like the other day. Um, it's a really interesting situation, and it's one of those things that I actually do care a lot about, but know there's so many voices on, on the internet, on social media, whatever, that are just like have committed their whole entire lives to this like trans issue. Um, and it's not really something that I care that deeply about outside of sports. I think if you're a trans person, you should not be discriminated against at schools. I think you should be able to use whatever bathroom you fucking want. I don't think anyone really cares. And I don't think that all trans people are predators. And I don't really appreciate how conservatives like to paint all trans people as some kind of predator. Okay. Um, that's absurd. Uh, at work, right? Should we have legal recourse for any kind of discrimination if you're a trans person in work or an environment like that? These are important things, right? These matter. That's actual discrimination. But when we talk about sports, when we talk about sports, sports are not played with your feelings. Sports, the pool, the ball, whatever it is, doesn't really give a fuck how you feel about yourself. And there are just certain biological facts, right, that influence sports, okay? Now, you see, well, we're going to read through what the ACLU had to say about this, but I just want to cover some things right now. Um, like Leah Thomas, or Tom, is it Thomas? Yeah, Leah Thomas. Like Leah Thomas, I was a better-than-average but still mediocre athlete, okay? I played Division three football, probably could have played Division two football, but I had a little bit of coaching. Maybe got into like a lower-tier Division one school. Didn't really work out that way. But I was never going to go to the league, any of those kind of things, right? Now, my wife was a number one recruit in women's volleyball. Went to USC, All-American, 
type of vibe, right? Incredible. Incredible athlete. Now, she's in an up, a way higher tier than I am when it comes to athleticism relative to the rest of the people in your gender class. And that being said, I can beat her at every single sport that exists aside from volleyball. As a mediocre men's athlete against a high-level, high-level female athlete. And she's even said, right, because there are biological differences. That's why a girl's volleyball net is like eight inches shorter than a guy's volleyball net. If they were to play against guys on a girl's net, it would be legitimately dangerous. That's why, and the funny thing is, right, let's think about this in context. There's a reason why women's CrossFit is more fun to watch than men's CrossFit. There's a reason that women's volleyball, especially sand volleyball, and I mean, even indoor volleyball, is more fun to watch than guys' volleyball. It's a more dynamic game, right? It's an offensive and defensive game versus just an offensive game. And in CrossFit, there's a bunch more separators among the women because there are biological differences between women and men, okay? Men biologically have more anabolic receptors in their upper body, which means that their upper body responds to testosterone differently than women. So with that being said, let's jump into this ACLU tweet, tweet, tweet thread here. Um, attacks on trans youth in sports are showing up in dozens of state legislators nationwide. These bans are discriminatory, harmful, and unscientific. Here's why. Now, this is the, the term unscientific being used here is fucking comical at best. And the way they use the word fact right? Which is, you know, if you just make these words mean nothing, then it changes the ability for people to think about things. So that's, that's, that's what we're going with here. And it's fucking obnoxious, obnoxious. Fact number one, trans girls are girls. Myth, sex is binary, apparent at birth and identifiable through singular biological characteristics. Characteristics, excuse me. There is no one way for our bodies to be. Women, including women who are transgender, intersex, or disabled. I don't know. Why the fuck is intersex and disabled in here? Those aren't even in the same fucking category as transgender. A girl in a wheelchair is not the same as a dude who now thinks he's a female or wants to be a female and wants to identify as a female. That's great. Those are not the same fucking things, man. What, why are they in the same category? Because you want to do that. So that way, if you're, if you're now criticizing a trans female athlete, you're being critical of disabled people. What the actual fuck? What in the actual fuck is going on with this? They have a range of different physical characteristics. No shit. So do all human beings. Biological sex and gender are not binaries. There is no set hormone range, body parts, or chromosomes that all people in a particular sex or gender have. What in the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, you use the word all people, meaning that .0001% of all born humans could be different, and that you're technically correct. But really, really, come the fuck on. Fact number two. Trans athletes do not have an unfair advantage in sports. They're calling that a fact. Okay. Myth. Trans athletes' physical characteristics provide an unfair advantage over cis athletes. Trans athletes vary in athletic ability just like cisgender athletes. In many states, the very same cis girls who have claimed that trans athletes have an unfair advantage have uh, consistently performed as well or better than transgender competitors. Well, let me just show you how fucking retarded your logic is here. 
Just because a trans girl gets beat by a biological female doesn't mean they don't have an unfair advantage. What you'd have to do is take their ranking in the male sport, right, relative, and then compare that to their ranking in the female sport. And then you'd have to look at how many athletes are in the female category and how many athletes are at the male, and then make their ranking relative to one another, and then see if they have an unfair advantage. Because if they move up at all relative right? When adjusted, that means they have an unfair advantage. Just because the American weightlifter, who's a biological woman, beat the New Zealand weightlifter, who's a trans woman, doesn't mean that that person deserved to be at the fucking Olympics. Do you understand? If anybody who, anybody who's stupid enough to fall for this deserves to get slapped in the face, absolutely absurd. Fact number three, including trans athletes will benefit everyone. Will it? Does it benefit the girl who lost her scholarship? Does it benefit the girl who didn't make it to finals because she was on the bubble because there's a trans athlete that's beating the dog shit out of everybody? Does that make sense? Myth, the participation of trans athletes hurts cis women. That is a fact, my friend. Excluding women who are trans hurts all women. It invites gender policies that could subject any women to invasive tests or accusations of being too masculine or too good at their sport to be a real woman. Well, you know what? That's actually happening right now. That is actually happening right fucking now. There are track athletes, female, biological female track athletes, who have higher than average testosterone that are being forced, if they want to compete in their sport, to lower their testosterone to compete because they have an unfair advantage. Even though they were born as a woman, a woman as a, and identify as a woman. These women, not trans women, women, have a biological advantage they were born with. It's a gift in their sport. And they're being asked to diminish that because it makes it, it gives them an unfair advantage. But a man who lived 20 years as a man, 25 years as a man, and then transitioned and artificially lowered their hormone levels to be within that range is not considered to have an unfair advantage. If that makes sense to you, you got to screw loose, bud. It makes no sense. If you have higher than natural testosterone genetically, not enhanced, not through performance enhancing drugs, that's why you're a professional athlete. If you were to do that with NFL players, WNBA players, doesn't matter. Your hormone profile says a lot about how you behave, how you act, and how you perform. These are facts. These are real facts that aren't considered in this fucked logic. It makes no sense at all. So what's happening because of this whole push is that biological women are now being barred from their own sport that they compete in because they have an unfair advantage, right? They have an unfair advantage. Absolutely insane. Fact four, trans people belong on the same teams as other students. Yeah, along with their biological gender. Trans people, like all people, may experience detrimental effects to their physical and emotional well-being when they are pushed out of affirming spaces and communities. Well, you know what happens in sports? You lose sometimes. It's not really an affirming space. That's not really the reason that sports were invented. It wasn't to affirm your goddamn ego. It was to see who's better at a thing. It's played with your body, not your fucking feelings. Efforts to exclude subsets of girls from sports can be undermined can undermine team unity and youth 
derive the most benefits from athletics when they are exposed to caring environments where teammates are supported by each other and by coaches. What in the fuck does that have to do with trans athletes? What does that have to do with anything? So if the whole entire team of girls doesn't like the fact that there's a trans girl on their team beating everyone and they're not supportive of that, they're the problem? Generally speaking, when everyone around you is upset with you and you're the common denominator, they're not the problem. You're the problem. So let's think about this in terms of Leah Thomas. Okay? Let's do a little calculus. In swimming, from what I understand, having broad shoulders and small hips helps. Men are going to have broader shoulders than women are, generally speaking. But every swimmer I know, and I know a few, even some that competed in the Olympics, have broad shoulders and skinny hips. Small hips. It makes you more aerodynamic. You know what else is different among men and women, right? My wife is 6'1". I am six foot four. She is much taller relative to the average female than I am to the average male. My hands are at least 130% the size of hers. Okay? So let's apply that same logic to Leah Thomas. I don't think bringing your hormone levels down makes your hands smaller or makes your shoulders less broad. Maybe a quarter of an inch, a half an inch if we're lucky. Okay? So really you have the stature and the hand size of a male competing against women. Well, what do you use to create forward momentum in the water as a swimmer? Your feet and your goddamn hands. So if you can displace more water with a bigger hand because you were born a dude, well, that's the same as being on a performance-enhancing drug. Isn't it? I believe that's where you would apply the appropriate use of the term fact. So call me whatever you want. I'm sure it's fuck not transphobic. But I will say that this is being made into a bigger problem than it actually is, but it's a fucking problem. And if you think that biological women who have fought for equal representation in sports through things like Title IX for decades, right? Go watch a league of their own. And then think about Jackie Robinson putting on a wig and tucking his dick and smashing home runs. Does that make sense? Does it? Doesn't, does it? Come on, man. Fucking crazy. Fuck, what, we live in a fucking clown world and it's so hard to wrap your mind around it, but Jesus Christ. <sighs> so these myths aren't debunks. Their facts aren't facts. <sighs> and it's sad to see that this is like a mainstream idea. And I don't know, like anybody who is an athlete doesn't buy this shit. I haven't seen one athlete, somebody who competed as an athlete, Right at a reasonably high level, even a mediocre athlete like me. I haven't seen anyone come out and be like, yeah, this makes a ton of sense. It doesn't. Even Phelps would like walked around it, but he didn't condone it, and he had a trans girlfriend. Call him transphobic? Come on. Let's get it together, people. This is weird. This is weird and crazy. Compete in your sport uh, that corresponds with your biological sex. And maybe what we need to do is... Um, if you identify as a woman, you don't get to get you don't have to get drug tested. You can do all the performance enhancing drugs you want. Go for it. Go for it. Or maybe, here's an option. We just abolish women's sports altogether and anybody who identifies as a woman, biological or not, 
can do all the performance-enhancing drugs they want. Then, maybe we'll put some eyes back on some sports because that would be quite interesting to watch. Quite interesting. But either one of those ridiculous ideas are better than what's happening now. That's for goddamn sure. Pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme. Literally. White supremacist's latest scheme to valorize violence and hypermasculinity has gone digital. So this is <laughs> this is an MSNBC opinion article uh, written by this woman. It's really, really interesting kind of uh, take on the current state of at-home fitness. Like, it's so weird. It appears the far right has taken advantage of pandemic at-home fitness trends to expand its decades-plus radicalization of physical mixed martial arts and combat sports spaces. Earlier this month, researchers reported that a network of online fascist fitness chat groups on the encrypted te platform Telegram are recruiting and radicalizing young men with neo-Nazi and white supremacist extreme ideologies initially lured with health tips and strategies for positive physical changes. Uh, new recruits are later invited to closed chat groups where far-right content is shared. Physical fitness has always been a uh, central, has always been central to the far-right. In Mein Kampf, Hitler fixated on boxing and jiu-jitsu, <laughs> believing that they could help him create an army of millions who has aggressive spirit and impeccably trained bodies combined with fanatical love for the fatherland would do more for the German nation than any mediocre tactical weapons training. Weird. Um, so I guess since Hitler thought fitness was important for soldiers, if you're fit, you're a Nazi. I'm pretty sure that lots of military leaders think that fitness is important of all countries and all races. Strange. In more modern times, far-right groups have launched mixed martial arts and boxing gyms in Ukraine, Canada, and France. Are you telling me that this woman thinks that there's Nazis in Ukraine? She must be believing Russian propaganda. <laughs> Focused on training far-right nationalists in violent hand-to-hand -hand combat and street fighting techniques, it's caught the attention of intelligence authorities, especially in Europe, where various reports have noted the role of combat sports in MMA in radicalizing and promoting far-right violence. A series of collaborative efforts between governments, uh, national sports associations, and local gyms in places such as Germany, Poland, and United Kingdoms have introduced an intervention to prevent such programs. So what we have here is this idea, right? That this like fitness and the, the, the headline is totally misleading. And this is the thing, like, cause people just like to read headlines like, oh yeah, if you're, if you're doing CrossFit, you must be uh, you must be a, a white right wing extremist. When really what we're talking about here in reality is small gyms, probably off the beaten path where a handful of white supremacists get together and roll around probably in some homoerotic fantasy, Right. They want us to think that anybody that does that cares about their fitness is again Ed Norton from American History X, squastica tattoos and all, right? That's what they want you to think. Now there are some things in here about how these guys inspire each other by saying that obesity won't be tolerated, which I think I'm in support of. Um, <laughs> not their ideology, but I'm like, yeah, like obesity probably shouldn't be tolerated. But she buries it here and says, uh, like, oh yeah, well actually, fitness is good for you though. It is really good for you. And it's a great pathway to reach at-risk youth. That's in the last paragraph here. But it's just a clownish articulation of an idea, right? A proper headline for this, which wouldn't get as many clicks, it wouldn't get shared to people over the, over the place, is um, small fringe fitness Nazis um, are, are grabbing, I don't know, like grabbing young white youth, right? 
Like, I don't know, something that makes a little bit more sense than pandemic fitness trends have gone extreme, literally. Like, who the fuck wrote that? That makes no sense whatsoever. Now, having been around a few MMA gyms and seen what's going on and been around a bunch of CrossFit gyms for years and years, I can tell you that CrossFit gyms like to fly the American flag and do these things, but they don't really have the same kind of like racist element. There is... Uh, a gym in my hometown, which is in the middle of rural Texas. It's not CrossFit Veritas, by the way, where there is a coach that I think is probably quite racist. Um, <laughs> I've overheard him saying some things that are not appropriate. But that being said, um, of all the other gyms, it's like the only experience I've ever had, right? When it comes to MMA gyms, mm, there is a certain type of demographic that might be attracted to those kind of gyms. And that might also correlate with a certain type of demographic that might sympathize with some far right ideals. So she's not off base there. Like you could have explored that and been like, what is the correlation? Is it white dudes who got the shit beat out of them by their dads and are insecure and trying to find a way to like, like find some kind of confidence and they are don't really have a sense of themselves and they were manipulated into a right wing ideology because they need some kind of camaraderie because they're alone, which is actually correlates really, really well to how uh, black kids in poor neighborhoods uh, find their, find their way into gangs, which is essentially the same thing as a right wing extremacy neo-Nazi group on the, uh, except they're black, like it's gangs versus neo-Nazi groups are the same fucking thing. They both sell drugs. That's how they, that's how they operate. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're a, a, a safe haven for young men that are ostracized from their families and their societies. That's actually a really interesting article. I'd like to see that explained, exp expanded on. But instead, we get this. Because journalism is dead. And I think COVID killed it. I think COVID, I think it was already on life support. And COVID killed journalism. Sad times. Sad times. Well, we're at that part of the show where I'm going to give you sexy motherfuckers something to think about. Let's go. What we've seen over the past few years from Black Lives Matter, to COVID, to Ukraine, to Russian disinformation, and Trump, and all this other bullshit, is that our corporate media overlords and the people behind them that are being, you know, that are running little sock puppets, little Joe Scarborough sock puppet, um, those people found out, and I'm sure they already had an inkling that this was the reality, but they found out that if they push us to extremes, we'll gain a state of defensiveness, not really think clearly, and just do whatever we're told. We'll go into herd mentality, right? When you're scared, you ever see like a bunch of gazelles getting chased by getting chased by a um by a by some lions, right? They just like pack together, they run, and they don't really think they're just moving. They're instinctual. They're not really like they're on fight or flight mode. And that's where they're at. And they're just acting from instinct. And they're doing what the lead gazelle does, moving the thing around, trying to survive. And they've got us in that state every fucking day now. It's why this show is growing, because people are breaking out of that trance. Now, this happens on both sides. There's liberal wokeism and there's conservative wokeism, right? Think about liberal wokeism. You think about Ibram X. Kendi. You think about conservative wokeism. You think about Charlie Kirk. 
two sides of the same coin. So when you look at this whole thing, you got to understand that the goal of the people that don't want the best for you is to divide you and push you to the extremes. Because when you're pushed to the extremes, the right extreme can look at the left extreme and make a caricature of everybody left of center, which makes a very convenient villain. And the people that are on the left extreme can do the exact same to the right extreme. So while you think you have a countervailing narrative or a strong ideology, you're really just being manipulated into thinking exactly that. So my suggestion, and I want to encourage you to do this, is whenever you feel that twinge in your gut, right? When you feel that emotion coming out and you're like, ah, fucking libtards. When you feel that, take a breath, put your feet on the fucking ground, and realize that what's likely happening is that you're being played. You're being played like a bitch. Sorry to say it, but you know it's true. Deep down, you know it's true. And what I want for the politically homeless out there is for you not to get played like a bitch. And you do that by realizing exactly when and how you're being manipulated. They want you on the extremes. And they'll move the goalposts however they do it to put you in whatever camp makes them feel more comfortable and, are, and manifest the villain that they're projecting. It's not real. It's not real. They get you with the emotions. I'm not telling you to bury them because your emotions are valid and your feelings are valid and they're important. But they're being leveraged against you. So when you feel that twinge, when you feel that urge to be like, God damn, Trump is an authoritarian. Don't. Don't. Don't get played like a bitch. Absolutely love you guys. Absolutely love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Support our sponsors. Join the Patreon. Keep your head on straight and keep on keeping on, baby. Spring is here. We made it through the the winter of suffering and death or whatever the fuck they said. Assholes. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.